1: This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Now here's Paul Catalina. Welcome in, Sam Bradshaw, Sikkim365.com. And Sam, um, you and I texted earlier this week about some of the things that happened uh to baylor especially late in that game they had 10 men on the field for a couple plays on defense they you know it's been something different every which way in this six game losing streak how do they break out of this and what's been the is there a common thread through this that keeps happening to them
0: thanks for having me on and as frustrating as the drive from hell on defense was that saturday um The thing that's probably most frustrating about this team is it's always something else. It's just that they're giving you just enough to believe that they're going to pull it out, and then they find a new way to hurt themselves. You know, you're talking about a Baylor defense that prior to that drive where I broke it down on the site where just some very concerning, cautious play-calling putting two guys eight yards off of their slowest tight end, who was the defensive lineman last year, and leaving a linebacker one-on-one with their slot receiver on multiple plays and not having 10 guys on the field. One of those plays probably would have either picked off the ball or forced a away or forced a sack. They just put themselves in a bad position. And prior to that drive, they were holding Utah below 25 yards per drive and had held them to, I think, six points. And each of those was just off of one play setting it up, whether it was an interception or whether it was just a long run where two Baylor Bears missed a tackle. And then you let a third-string quarterback go 88 yards on you, doing absolutely nothing to put yourself in position, to be successful with a very worn-out defensive line that was missing your top nose tackle and missing your top jack linebacker. Uh, So it was already a pretty thin rotation to begin with. You know, it's just very, very disappointing. And offensively, they faded in the second half, but they're also up against a very good Utah defense. It's been good for a long time. And in the first half, before the ankle caught up with your backup quarterback, who'd been pretty good, you were averaging... 43 yards of drive on a very good defense and then the second half it really went away when they realized he couldn't really run and he wasn't all that experienced as a passer so they clamped down on the run made him throw and he cost it up a couple times but you're also talking about a kid that really hadn't had a whole lot of game experience at the d1 level so you're gonna take the good with the bad and uh honestly on the offensive side of the ball after the complete disaster of assignments that you had in week one against texas state your non-quarterback rushing average being 4.2 yards per carry against the utah defense that's really good at sniffing out the run is pretty solid and you know while it's not a number to run home and brag about it certainly shows marked improvement from what they had week one and when you can get a healthy Blake shaping in there later and you could potentially get those defensive linemen starters back healthy later as well, it bodes better long-term for this team, whether the record shows it or not, that they'll be able to be competitive with the Big 12, where UCF's now without their starting quarterback. Then you face Texas Tech, who's the last team that Baylor beat, and they not only beat them, they beat them like a drum on the night that Mahomes was being honored at home. And then Cincinnati's new, Iowa State's not exactly – terribly strong and neither is houston there's the potential to have some wins down the scratch
1: so sam this week do you expect to learn anything new about them or is this one where they can just go out and get the win so they can get the losing feeling out of their head for for even six days
0: it's more of option b but as somebody who has to preview about 12 to 13 teams a year Uh, schematically I will say LIU does some things on both sides of the ball that will give guys some good live reps against them looks that they don't always see and it'll be good just to at least have the film study from that and particularly for Sawyer not having a whole lot of live action and quarterbacks this is a team that will while their front really doesn't change too much they'll typically be in a tight front with an overhang linebacker to either side and one stack linebacker behind them what they do in coverage one day or one play it's all out man coverage the next play, it's zone coverage, and then they'll give you some different looks. It's not just cover two. They'll run some basic cover two, but then they'll do Tampa two with the corners playing what's known as trap two, where instead of being outside and outside the receiver and rerouting them inside to help the safety, they've got somebody dropping in that deep middle hole. So the safeties can play wider, and then the corners can play inside the receiver and actually help out fitting against the run and turning it back inside to their front six. So they can give you a lot of different looks. And while they definitely don't have the talent to hang with you, they have the ability to put things on film in a way that will allow Baylor to help himself get better.
1: So um, what was your uh, total assessment of Sawyer Robertson after his first start?
0: I think he has the athleticism to do an awful lot, both throwing the ball and running the ball. I think at times he has some accuracy, but I think he can be a little streaky. And I think he's a young quarterback that costed up twice against a very good defense. And so while I think he's definitely got a lot of potential, and I think he can get there. I understand why Shapen was the winner in fall camp. Shapen against Texas State with basically no protection lit them on absolute fire. And the only thing that was stopping that offense was their own false starts and their own inability to protect the passer. Uh, but grading on the curve of, yeah, you got absolutely no protection. He was lighting it up. And I think that Sawyer played really well when healthy against Utah. But then when Utah could kind of tee off and force him to play in only one way, he really struggled. But most good defenses would do to, do that to a young quarterback in that situation. So I'm not going to hold it too hard against him.
1: What was the offensive line who played a lot better week one to week two? What was the key for that improvement?
0: Well, I think there's a bit of a reshuffling that I helped, I think helped. And as Aranda mentioned in the post game of the Texas state game, you know, in that game, it took them a quarter and a half to ID the defense correctly. And I think working on the details of that and having that good to go from the beginning of the game helped a ton, just keeping their assignments straight, but also just reshuffling and better technique helped across the board. You saw the defensive line up until the very end of the game, they were doing a lot better stopping the run, you know, The first quarter, Utah barely got any real running game going. I mean, they had like 26 yards. And then the second quarter, I think they just had the one long run. And then aside from that, nothing. And then in the third quarter, not really much of anything either. And it was really when you ran into a very late game situation with a tired defense, with a scheme that was effectively giving the run and the quarterback run away. In order to foolishly protect against the deep ball against a quarterback that hadn't shown the ability to beat coverage. Um, you know, compared to the complete, we're playing too high. We're not playing physical disaster. You saw against a really not that great, but still better than people probably give credit for Texas state team. It was clearly a marked improvement and you can at least take the encouragement that that provides. Obviously, there's a long way to go because that offense that they faced on uh, Saturday, the level of quarterback play and the level of spread concepts they're facing will be radically different than what you're facing in the big 12. And Ludwig's a great offensive coordinator, but the way that they stress you is going to be different than what you'll see from a TCU, from a Texas tech, from, you know, from an Oklahoma, from a West Virginia and, and a UCF for that matter. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this, group grows and evolves, but I'm really just looking forward to finally seeing that group at full strength, because I do think that defense can look a lot better if you get Randolph and uh, Boykin's back, especially Boykins. He's the closest thing to uh, Siaki Aika that really allows you to change the math on defense in terms of run-pass conflict, because he can draw that extra blocker, yet still be a competent pass rusher for you because he can really, really free up another body, keep the blockers off the linebackers in a way that the guys behind him really can't. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Baylor has when they're at full strength on the B-line. Sam,
1: what, um, what did they not do well week one to week two? What what stayed bad week one to week two?
0: Well, offensively, you never want to average five false starts over a two-game period. That That's just effectively giving up a quarter of the field over the course of the game completely unforced. Um, I felt like defensively, obviously playing with 10 is never good. And if your defensive scheme is having two defensive backs, your star and your field safety playing eight yards off of the ball and not really threatening the slant and giving it away over and over again, that's either the coordinator, not getting it or it's a young player not understanding an automatic check that's supposed to be built into the coverage. And we saw that both with uh, Mikey Matthews, the diminutive receiver that, you know, wasn't exactly a star coming in, but Baylor sure made him look like one. And then uh, Mickey Suguturaga is their uh, tight end who used to be a defensive lineman who's not exactly fleet of foot. They were giving it to him as well. So I, I wonder if that's a call from the coaches box or if that's a younger player not understanding the situation not understanding the defensive check that should be made and these defensive coaches have a long track record of success so i do think that's probably more on the young players making mental mistakes and given the fact that one of them wasn't even on the field for two plays certainly comports with that
1: sam bradshaw sick 365.com sam we'll talk again next week about how they're going to Um, attack a resurgent Texas Longhorn team, which should be very, very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, Texas is certainly in year three of a rebuild, and Sarkisian has done a good job bringing talent into places that had actually dipped in talent, because for all the recruiting classes they had under Herman, the talent level had dipped significantly when Sarkisian got there. And you'll notice over the first two years, the primary contributors for them on offense were Sark guys. And it's year three and they've infused a lot of talent. Texas is going to be a different animal this year, but they got to make it through the entire Big 12, and I think somebody will get them.
1: Yeah, well, it's tough for anybody to, to go through unscathed. Sam, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. This has been a Rogue Media Network trip.